Hello, welcome to North Valley Church's Sermon Podcast. Today, we are doing a sermon entitled, Overwhelmed. If you would like more information on North Valley Church or our sermon podcasts, you can find us on our website, nvcmd.org. Able to guess who the band was that in the opening video? No one. Okay, we're batting zero. No one's been able to get it yet. So, um, for those of you who care, um, it's uh, the first song on the Quadrophenia album by the Who. So, if for, yes, there's we could do this for a couple of minutes. <laughs> Yeah. Who? <laughs> Who? So, my name's Dan. Um, I have shared that uh, I had a friend pass away the Friday after Thanksgiving. He was the pastor of Third Day Community Church, and it just the relationship. He was my friend. We worked with Third Day in the past. I knew the family. And so when he passed away, I sort of took on the role of being the pastor for the wife and ministering to her through this season. So when he passed away, I got the phone call and I'm working with them, meeting with some family, doing my thing. And I'm like three or four days out from the event. And I'm like, wait a minute. My friend passed away. I had been in pastor mode and hadn't turned on, turned on my own thoughts and feelings. So it was several days later when it's like, oh, wait a minute, I lost a good friend. And so for a couple of hours, I checked out. Um, I just needed to let the grieving process happened. For those of you who get into that, right, there's a moment of shock when you let those news and big things happen. And it's that shock that you go into when you actually check out. It's actually a natural safety mechanism built into your body that when you experience something overwhelming, your body naturally turns off your brain, turns off your emotions, and says, this is more than you can handle. You just need to check out for a minute. That's what being overwhelmed is about. So I experienced it in that journey, but I've experienced overwhelm all the time because I'm terrible at organizing my things to do, and I've always got this giant list, and I don't get done half of what I think I should. Maybe you're like me in that way too, that when you've got a list of things to do, the list gets long. And you know what I mean when I say the list gets long sometimes and you just stop looking at it because even the idea of looking at it and parsing through it is overwhelming, right? It gets overwhelming and you shut it off. Well, I know y'all got a room at home is where you put all the stuff. And when you want to put something away, you open the door, you throw it in the room, and you close the door. And you don't want to go in and clean the room because you wouldn't know where to start. You know it would take days to go through. 
the idea of going through that room would be overwhelming. Sometimes we get big projects at work. They're just big, they're important, and there's lots of pieces to them. When we get engaged and plugged in, it becomes sometimes overwhelming. And we'll catch ourselves, it's like, I'm not sure what forward looks like. I'm just froze. I'm supposed to be doing something, and I don't know how to move forward. Sometimes we go to the doctor, and we come home with news from the doctor, and that's overwhelming. And you just have to go, I think I'm supposed to be doing something, but I can't. And you just sit home for a while. And those are all natural things. I want to talk about being overwhelmed today. So as I was opening up there, maybe there's something going on in your life now that it's like, you know what, that's big. And yeah, maybe I'm feeling overwhelmed. We're going to meet a guy in the Old Testament. His name is Jehoshaphat. We're going to be reading out of 1 Chronicles chapter 20. Jehoshaphat is the king of Judah. He's king in Jerusalem. And he's about to hit an overwhelming moment. But I want to give you a little history about Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat was a king. And in the big history of kings, they weren't all good in Judah or Israel. But Jehoshaphat was a good guy. Jehoshaphat took time and effort, and he was pursuing what it was that God wanted him to do. He, he was trying to get rid of all the idols from the foreign gods, so he knew that the Lord, Yahweh, mattered. And he was trying to get purge the place of idols. He was trying to partner with a king in Israel. He was king of Judah. He was trying to work with the king of Israel who wanted him to go to war. And Jehoshaphat said, dude, we need to check with the prophet of the Lord before we go. And so they did. But it happened on Jehoshaphat's urging. Now, it didn't, he didn't, wasn't perfect about it. You know, he still had some flaws, dropped the ball. But in general, Jehoshaphat had a relationship with God. He was very regular in seeking God out. It was intentional. And I want you to get that that is where we're going to pick up Jehoshaphat's story. And so I want to make sure that we're all in the same place too. That for us to be able to grasp what it is that we're going to see unfold here in Second Chronicles chapter 20 is going to require us to have a relationship with God. That for us in the New Testament age, in this church age, we have to have come to terms with who we are, that we're all flawed human beings. That Jesus Christ lived 2,000 years ago and died on the cross, just like the Scripture said, to pay the price for my sins. And when I put my faith and trust in what He did, I receive this forgiveness. I receive eternity in heaven. I receive a relationship with Him. And Jesus proved He was the guy to be able to do that by rising from the dead three days after He was crucified on the cross. He has power and authority over sin and death. And so for us to begin this journey, if we want to be starting the same starting place with, as Jehoshaphat, we want to be able to have a relationship with God. If you've never done that before today, I would 
love for you to let God speak to you and to hear how God related to Judah and Jehoshaphat and that you can be experiencing this same experience like Jehoshaphat did. But it's going to start with knowing who God is through his son, Jesus Christ. So we're going to pick up the story there. We have been doing some series over the past few months on spiritual disciplines. We are going to see those. So the starting point is we all need to have a relationship with God. But for Jehoshaphat to be doing what it is that he's doing, I'm going to give you a clue. He's going to have his spiritual disciplines in place, and it's going to pay off for him. So we are going to pick up. 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 1. After this, this was the war that he was working with Ahab. Um, They did the war. Ahab did not survive the war. Jehoshaphat was still, he came back home to Judah, but was still purging the land of the idols. So he's doing good things in God's mind. So he's doing as many good things as he can. After this, the Moabites and Ammonites, with some of the Munites, came to wage war against Jehoshaphat. Some of the people came and told Jehoshaphat, A vast army is coming against you from Edom, from the other side of the Dead Sea. It's already in Hazazon Tamar, that is, in Gedi. See where we are here? This guy is doing as many right things as he can. He's a really good king. And he's about to be attacked by three armies. It is an overwhelming moment. We're going to see in a, in a few more verses how he is responding on the inside to that. But just catch for a moment, Jehoshaphat, didn't do anything to deserve being attacked by three armies. Yet it happened. We will experience overwhelming circumstances despite how good or perfect we think we're trying to live. Life just happens. And some days it's overwhelming. Picking it up in verse 3, we see Jehoshaphat's response to an overwhelming situation. Alarmed, Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord, and he proclaimed a fast for all of Judah. The people of Judah came together to seek help from the Lord. Indeed, they came from every town in Judah to seek him. So catch what Jehoshaphat's response was. Oh, you're about to be attacked by three armies. You don't have a chance of winning this war. He didn't call a meeting of his advisors. He didn't muster the troops. He let everybody know, dudes, we're going to seek God first. In these overwhelming moments when we're shutting down, right? I let you know, there's moments when my brain turns off and and I can't think or feel anything. I'm going to rely on my routines and my habits. What I'm used to doing is what it is that I'm going to do in the overwhelming situation. Jehoshaphat is used to seeking God, to make decisions, seeking God in his day-to-day life. When the overwhelming thing happened, he didn't have to think about it. 
He just did the same thing he's been doing his whole life. That's the value of having invested in our spiritual disciplines before we get to the overwhelming moment. That if we've got our prayer routine working, I don't need to think about it. When the overwhelming thing happens, I know I can go to prayer. When I think I need to know something about God's Word, I've already got it inside me. I've already been studying the Bible. When I recognize I'm going to see God and see Him move, I'm going to respond and worship. I don't need to think about it because it's already built inside me. If you want to be able to be in the best place you can in an overwhelming moment, the investment happens before the overwhelming moment. Jehoshaphat is about to reap the benefits of what it is that he's been doing up to this moment. He has been in the habit of praying and seeking God, so naturally, that's what he's going to do. He has called everyone together to do that, so he's going to do a public prayer in verse 5. Jehoshaphat stood up in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem at the temple of the Lord in front of the new courtyard and said, so we're just setting the stage, Jehoshaphat's about to pray in front of everybody, essentially a corporate prayer time, and he's praying for everybody. Lord, and when you see Lord there, it's capital, all caps, L-O-R-D. We know when we see that, behind the scenes in the real text, it's the name of God. It's Yahweh. So he's opening his prayer by first name addressing God, Yahweh, the God of our ancestors. Are you not the God who is in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms of the nations. Power and might are in your hand, and no one can withstand you. Our God, if you're underlining, you want to catch this next phrase. Did you not drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and give it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend? Jehoshaphat gets his prayer going by praising God and reciting things he knows from his Bible. This is hundreds of years after they've entered into Canaan. Hundreds of, of years after they've already driven these people out. Jehoshaphat knows what God did back then. He didn't have to call a Bible study. He already knew it. It was already inside him. That's our advantage if we can get God's Word inside of us. There are moments that I do spend time researching. Okay, I'm stuck, God, and I'll pop my Bible open. But there are plenty more moments when God's Word's already inside me. I know what it is He wants to say, and the Holy Spirit will remind me of the verse I've already got in here. I already got in here. That's the power of having invested in our Bible study before I get to the overwhelming moment. I don't need to break down and figure out how to do it. It's already inside me. Jehoshaphat gets to say that same thing. So he starts his prayer by reflecting on history that he knows by his his own spiritual discipline of having studied his Bible. They didn't call it the Bible back then. It was was a scripture. We would call it the Old Testament. But he knew what it said. 
he continues in verse 8. They have lived in it and have built in it a sanctuary for your name, saying, if calamity comes upon us, whether the sword of judgment or plague or famine, we will stand in your presence before this temple that bears your name and cry out to you in our distress, and you will hear us and save us. He is praying to God, and he's letting him know, God, we're here, and we're seeking you, and we're relying on you. This mindset of we're going to stand by God and his temple because he's not going to let that be destroyed. They held on to that for a very long time. They held on to it too long, as you read further in the history of Judah. Eventually, the, the Jews were in there, were so arrogant about, we're in, in Jerusalem. God's not going to let this be destroyed. But when the Babylonians showed up, guess what? God had decided, you guys have been off the trail too long. It's time for you to be overwhelmed, and I'm going to take you into Babylon, and you're going to start your 70-year exile. That was a messy time because of this mindset, but they believed it. So Jehoshaphat's trying to appeal to God, hey, we're, we're doing what we think you want us to do right now. We're standing by you. And we want you, we're expecting you to be able to do something about it. He's advertising his faithfulness, at least in the moment. Even if they weren't always that way in the past, even if they won't be now. Right now, he's saying, dude, we want to be faithful. Please, please help us out. <clears throat> and Jehoshaphat's going to grab some more history to remind God of, just in case he forgot. But now, here men from Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, whose territory you would not allow Israel to invade. Catch that for a moment. We'll come back to that. Whose territory you would not allow Israel to invade when they came from Egypt. So they turned away from them and did not destroy them. See how they are repaying us by coming to drive us out of the possession you gave us as an inheritance. Right? I want you to catch this. He's calling God out. Dude, you gave us this land. The people who are about to attack us, these three armies, you told us not to destroy them. If you want to, you can go back and check out Deuteronomy chapter 2. When, when Israel was invading the land of Canaan, God said, don't, don't destroy those armies. You're going to have relationships with them in the future. You're not allowed to destroy them or take their land. I've got other land for you. And so Jehoshaphat's calling God out. You told us not to do this, not to hurt these people. Now they're coming to fight us. What the heck? And this is the inheritance you promised us. You promised us this land. We're about to be destroyed by people you told us not to hurt. What? It's okay to, to be honest in your prayer. If you're struggling with something, say it. Be honest with yourself. Be honest with God. He's not going to be offended or shocked. Say what it is you need to say in your prayer time. Our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. And here is a great picture of where Jehoshaphat's at. If you're underliner, that last part of verse 12. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. That is a picture of overwhelmed. 
I am now in a circumstance that I don't have a clue of what forward looks like. I need help. I'm stuck. I don't even know what my next step is. Anyone else ever felt that way before? Anyone else feeling that right now in some place? Yeah, okay. And it, yeah, it's happened. It's a th- real thing. In those moments, my, our first lead might be just to do what Jehoshaphat's doing. God, this really is hard. This stinks. I'm not sure this is what you promised or expected for me. I don't know what to do. I just don't know what to do. But I'm going to look at you. And Jehoshaphat, in this particular case, he wasn't locked in a room by himself. He invited everybody. All the men of Judah and their wives and the children and the little ones stood there before the Lord. They were all overwhelmed. Jehoshaphat was overwhelmed and his first response was his natural thing. I'm going to seek God. I'm just going to pray. But prayer is not one-way communication. Prayer is a conversation with God. So Jehoshaphat prays to God and he gets a response. It's so cool when you see God respond. It's like he prayed, look, he said something right there. So we're going to read God's response to prayer, to Jehoshaphat's prayer. Then the Spirit of the Lord came on Jehaziel, son of Zechariah, son of Benaiah, the son of Jeel, the son of Mataniah, a Levite and descendant of Asaph. As he stood in the assembly, he said, There's a prophet there in the assembly who heard Jehoshaphat pray, and God gave this prophet God's response to Jehoshaphat's prayer. Listen, King Jehoshaphat, and all who live in Judah and Jerusalem, this is what the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army. If you've got a pen, underline this. For the battle is not yours, but God's. The battle is not yours, but God's. Here's the big kahuna. If I've been doing the things that God wants me to be doing, if I've got my prayer on, my Bible study on, my worship on, next month we're going to talk about serving as a spiritual discipline. If I've got those things on, likely I'm probably in the place that God wants me to be. I'm probably doing the thing God wants me to do. If I'm in that place doing God's will and I'm in the right place and doing what it is he wants, dudes, the battle's not ours. It's God's. Take a breath. If you're in that moment, I'm doing what you want me to do. It's on you. I encourage people when you're in a difficult circumstance, be willing to say, God, this is on you. It's yours, and God is willing to say, the battle's mine, not yours. That's a big stress relief for most of us, to recognize that if I'm in the place that God wants me to be, he is going to fight the big battles for me. They're not my battles, they're his. 
However, even though God's got a role in this, it's his battle, he's going to fight it, typically we still have a part. God's willing to do his part, but he's going to let us know, I need you to do this. I'll do my part, but I'm going to leave a part for you. So catch what God says. Tomorrow, march down against them. They will be climbing up by the pass of Ziz, and you will find them at the end of the gorge in the desert of Jeruel. God is letting them know, I'm going to fight the battle. The battle's mine, not yours. You're going to have victory. However, I need you to get up. I need you to grab your swords, and I need you to go out like you're going to fight the battle. That's still your part to do. It's nice sometimes to think that, wow, God's going to fight the battle for me. I can just sit at my couch, eat bonbons, binge watch some Netflix series. Yes! That's really what we want. Be honest. When you're praying, God, this is overwhelming. Can I just stay at home in bed? Right? I've prayed that prayer a couple of times. It's, it's just not an option. God typically doesn't do that for us. He's willing to fight the battle but he's going to leave something for us to do almost 100% of the time. That's the way I've seen God work. Picking it up in verse 17. You will not have to fight this battle. Take up your position, stand firm, and see the deliverance the Lord will give you. Judah and Jerusalem, do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. And here's the, here's the punchline. Go out and face them tomorrow, and the Lord will be with you. Yay. So I still got to go out and fight the army. <laughs> that doesn't feel like victory, does it? No, it doesn't. You still got to have the scary meetings with doctors. You still got to have the hard conversations with people. We still have to open the door to the room in our home that we don't want to clean out. <laughs> If we don't take the first step, God can't show up and do his part. He's going to leave something for us. When this prophet was done speaking, everybody recognized what just happened. Jehoshaphat bowed down with his face to the ground, and all the people of Judah and Jerusalem fell down in worship before the Lord. Then some Levites and Kohathites and Korahites stood up and praised the Lord, a God of Israel, in a very loud voice. When they encountered God, they worshipped him. They didn't have to have a meeting about it. They didn't have to think about it. It was built in. When I see God move, when I feel God's presence, I'm going to respond to him in worship. That's what I hope is built inside of us. A sensitivity to knowing when God's around. When he is, I'm going to take a moment and I'm going to worship him. And I'm just going to point out one more time, dangerously in the same room as Ben James Wingood, they worshiped loudly. They just did. We don't like that all the time. But they do it. Worshiping God loud happens 
picking up the narrative, early next morning, they left for the desert of Tekoa. As they set out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Listen to me, Judah and people of Jerusalem. Have faith in the Lord your God, and you will be upheld. Have faith in his providence, and you will be successful. Catch the scene here for a moment, right? These people all know there's three armies out there ready to destroy them. They don't have a chance of winning this battle. If it's a hand-to-hand combat between them and those three armies, they're done. It's just not going to be a winning situation. They're scared out of their minds. They are scared out of their minds. So Jehoshaphat realizes he's a good leader. You guys are scared. So he stands up in front of him, have faith. God's going to work something out. Have faith. It's going to be okay. He's saying those things because he knows his folks are scared. In verse 21, after consulting the people, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and to praise him for the splendor of his holiness as they went out at the head of the army, saying, give thanks to the Lord and his, for his love endures forever. I want you to think about the leadership meeting that that happened in, right? So all these guys are scared out of their minds. They're about to approach three armies. And Jehoshaphat's going, man, we're all scared, aren't we? Yeah, yeah. What are we going to do? Somebody said, what if God doesn't show up? What's going to happen? And some bright young leader says, let's send the worship team out first. If this thing goes sideways, they'll be out front. What's the worst that's going to happen? Lose a guitar player and a couple of vocalists? That was a joke. Nia, let me tell the joke, but y'all, everyone's going to give Nia a hug. But they set their worship. They set their worship team out in front. Everyone's going to show up with their swords and shields and spears, and they're going to be ready to fight. But they put the worship team out in front. I want you to catch what happens with that. In verse 22, as they began to sing and praise, as they began to sing and praise, the Lord set ambushes against the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir who were invading Judah and they were defeated. God set ambushes and started taking care of the defeating army as they began to sing and praise. Sometimes the best thing for us to do when we're at that moment, when we know, we're, need, we know what we need to do, how do I get to that point? Take a moment and praise God. Just take a moment and go, you know what, God, I love you, I adore you, I know you love me, you got something really cool in store. I am scared out of my mind, but I'm going to praise you anyway. 
Somehow or other, the folks in Israel or in Judah figured that out. And they put the worship team out in front so that as the praising and singing began, God began to make his move. God leaves stuff for us to do because he wants to see if we're going to be faithful and trust him enough to do the steps we need to do. When we do our part, God steps in and does his part. The Ammonites and Moabites rose up against the men from Mount Seir to destroy and annihilate them. After they finished slaughtering the men from Seir, they helped to destroy one another. I didn't even hear the words army of angels. God destroyed three armies about to attack Jerusalem, using his influence. I talked about this a week or two ago. God has the power of influence. When we praise God for being powerful, it was last week, when we praise God for being powerful, power includes not just the power to create the universe, God has influence. He has influence over us who are genuinely seeking his leadership and guidance. He also has influence over those who don't want to or don't think they are seeking him. And he influenced these three armies of people so that ultimately they ended up killing each other. I like the word asking God for his favor. That when I'm moving, I would rather have God's favor. I'd rather be blessed than be really smart. I'd rather have God's favor than be really skilled. God's favor is what makes the difference. He makes things happen. Despite my incompetence. Despite how good I think I am. It doesn't matter. God's going to make it happen. And God's got influence God's got influence over the things we don't. When we start to wrestle with what's God's thing and what's mine thing, there are things that are in my control and God is going to want me to react to. There are things outside and beyond my control. God, that's yours. That's what our prayer should look like. I can't control that one, God. It's on you. And give it to God and turn it over to him and trust him with it. In verse 24, when the men of Judah came to the place that overlooks the desert and looked towards the vast army, they saw only dead bodies lying on the ground. No one had escaped. Could you imagine that? These people, scared out of their mind, they let the worship team go first. But they get up to the place where they can see what's going on holy cow, we won. I didn't even draw my sword. God won it. That's the opportunity if we can be in the place that God wants us to be doing the thing God wants us to do. We see God unfold in this way. God can do bigger things than we can imagine. Besides watching God do that and win what looked like the victory, there's usually additional blessings that come along with being obedient to what it is that God wants to do. Judah is about to experience those things. Think about the season of history this is. 
right? Resources are a big deal. When armies were battling each other, sometimes it was because I want your stuff. I'm running out of sheep. I want yours. I need some more gold. I want yours. Plunder was part of the deal. So, after looking out and seeing that everyone else is dead, so Jehoshaphat and his men went to carry off their plunder, and they found among them a great amount of equipment and clothing and articles of value, more than they could take away. There was so much plunder, it took them three days to collect it. That's a lot of stuff. Besides being able to witness God move, as we follow God with our spiritual disciplines and stay in tune with Him, He puts us in a place that we can be blessed by Him. If we're working outside of His will and and going on our own railroad tracks, God's not going to be able to bless that. He wants to be able to bless us. Look at what He did for the army of Judah, but they had to be in the place that God wanted them be out on the battlefield doing what it was he wanted them to do. Then they were able to receive the blessings. Three days of carrying away plunder. On the fourth day, they assembled in the valley of Baraka, and they praised the Lord. This is why it is called the Valley of Baraka to this day. After they saw the defeat, after they received the plunder, They took a moment and started celebrating God. Wow! Right? This is really good. And so they continued to praise God. Then, led by Jehoshaphat, all the men of Judah and Jerusalem returned joyfully to Jerusalem, for the Lord had given them cause to rejoice over their enemies. They entered Jerusalem and went to the temple of the Lord with harps and lyres and trumpets. Again, there's some loud worship going on. They are celebrating God. Celebrate the wins. We miss that sometimes. I'm guilty of missing that sometimes. When you see God move, and it's like, wow, that was great. Pause. Take a moment and go, God made that happen. Let's let's have a party. Let's celebrate. Let's praise God. Let's give Him the glory. When they were doing this, for the Lord had given them cause to rejoice. While they were celebrating all the stuff they had, they were giving the glory to God. Make sure you are celebrating the wins that God is bringing for you. This passage wraps up. The fear of God came on all the surrounding kingdoms when they heard how the Lord had fought against them, had fought against the enemies of Israel. And the kingdom of Jehoshaphat was at peace, for his God had given him rest on every side. When we get into what looks like these overwhelming circumstances, and we simply trust God and do our part, and he shows up, he tends to do things in a way that glorifies himself. Everybody around Judah knew, don't mess with them. They've got a crazy God on their side who took out three armies and they didn't even draw a sword. That story got out. And everybody in the region feared the Lord. 
Look for opportunities that God wants to glorify himself. He's going to do it in ways. He's going, to, he's going to ask us to do the scary things. He's going to ask us to do the hard things so that when he shows up, everybody's going to know God was the only one that was able to make that happen. Being overwhelmed happens. It's just an unavoidable part of life. As you're here today, some of you acknowledged, man, I am there today. If you're not there today, I'm letting you know you probably will be one day. It just happens. Take a look at Jehoshaphat's story. Take a look at what it meant for him to be prepared. If you're not in one today, invest. It's going to pay off when the overwhelming thing happens. Invest in your time with God. Invest in your prayer, your Bible study, your worship. And next month, we'll be talking about serving God. Invest in those things. So on the day overwhelm happens, you're ready. Maybe you're already there. If you're already there today, maybe the nugget you want to hang on to is that the battle is the Lord's. We don't have to strive for victory. We just need to do our part and trust the rest to God. The things that are out of our control, He will take care of. I would like to ask the band to come back up. And as they do, I would love for us just to take a moment and think about where we are. Are we in an overwhelmed moment? Or am I in a season where I ought to be preparing for that? What is it that God's Spirit wants to talk to me and say to me today? Would you pray? Please, dear Father in heaven, thank you for leading and loving us. Thank you for your Son to open up a relationship with us. It changes everything. It changes everything that when I hit the difficult and overwhelming moments and seasons in my life, I am not alone. If I'm following you, it's not even my fight, it's yours. You have a part for me. I'm here sucking up oxygen because I still have stuff you need me to do. And if I'm being faithful with that, you will fight the battles for me. Lord, help us to be able to lift that up to you, to be able to let go of the things we can't control and to trust the battles over to you. Help us to prepare for those seasons. And if we're there today, Lord, give us the strength and confidence to lift them up to you now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You guys can stand as we close out worship today.